Welcome to Biteside, the podcast about tech and games and digital culture and whatever other nerdy things we happen to stumble across while we're talking about those things. Joining me this week is Alice Clark and Chris Button. I'm Seamus Byrne, and we're all doing great um, now that I'm actually here because I ran late today and now we're slightly behind, but that's okay because when you're, whenever you're listening to it is the right time to catch up with our show and therefore we're not late for you Dear listener, whenever you're ready to listen. Alice, how are you? I'm good, thank you, Seamus. How are you going? Doing all right now that I'm back sitting in a chair rather than dashing around town trying to like do utterly menial tasks. Chris, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, I know we'll be getting to this shortly, but I've, I've finally subscribed to Disney Plus, so I'm very excited. That is, yeah, really good news. Um. Look, and I know this is going to come up. So this week we are going to spend, you know, most of the time talking about streaming services, the state of streaming services uh, here in Australia in particular. Um, and, you know, things have changed a lot over the last 12 months. So I know I'm sure we've kind of talked about this in the past, but it's just one of those good checking kind of topics because we've got price fluctuations. We've got, you know, new services. We've got services getting new content deals. We've got all sorts of stuff. Um, and thankfully, you know, in the end, as much as it's a very complicated space and we are currently needing to pay lots of money for lots of different services, um, it also means um, we're getting more stuff to watch if we want to go watch everything. Well, we won't have time ever, um, but that's okay. The more, more content than our eyeballs can handle is good for the soul, I'm going to say right now anyway um so yeah i thought a good place to start is let's think about over just this past year and clearly we've all you know spent more time at home um have been exploring more things through our screens uh so let's kind of do a bit of a rundown of perhaps it it is a case of you know did we start somewhere different to where we finished or is it that we're just um gluttons for punishment and we subscribe to every single service uh, on the face of the planet um alice i will come to you first what's your vibe when it comes to um subscription streaming services isn't it nice to have the cable bundle again gosh (laughs) wasn't wasn't that exactly where we hoped we'd end up Always, um, you know, it was like, oh, this is ten dollars, so much better than paying Foxdale one hundred and ten dollars, and now ten services later, oh, <laughs> yeah, no, this is this is not a great system anymore. It is way too fractured. I'm not really that into monopolies, but just either give it all to one company, make it publicly owned. I don't care, but I don't want to. Am I paying what eighty dollars a month now? I don't even know. <laughs> this is not a good system. Well, when it is just chipping away at your wallet rather than like slapping it all at once, um, it is. It's hard to keep track of exactly what is going on with it all. <laughs> but yeah, I have access to Disney Plus, Netflix, Stan, Apple TV Plus. God, what's the other one I actually pay for? And then I use my neighbor's Amazon Prime. And then there's also Apple Fitness Plus, Les Mills On Demand. And generally too many. I was in lockdown for six months last year. All I did was stream things. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. And look, uh, yeah, um, it's funny that though you say Amazon is one of the ones you're not paying for because that's one that I pay for because of the way Amazon bundles it up into the whole Prime thing. And it means that I actually have um, 
like I already use some of the kind of Amazon storage stuff that comes through Amazon Prime as well as obviously just getting a good deal on deliveries and things. Um, but because that also bundles in uh, a Twitch Prime subscription that I can, you know, throw a few dollars to somebody who streams on Twitch as well. Um, it's been one of those ones where I'm like, oh, well, it's kind of free when I think of it as part of <laughs> the other stuff I need. So that's yeah, like one that I yeah, feel like I don't have to turn off. <laughs> Amazon Prime is really just like Apple TV Plus where it's not yeah. really a service you would expect anyone to pay for on its own. Like it doesn't have enough, but it's a good gift with purchase. I just don't pay for it because I Amazon does not really align with my values. I don't want to cross that picket line. I don't like the way they treat their workers. I do not like Jeff Bezos. I think that most of what they do is generally evil, but I'm very <laughs> willing to mooch off it if, if somebody else wants to pay for it. Yeah. Hmm. That's it. That's a way to stick it to the richest man in the world. Or is he second richest day by day, right? Like they're neck and neck, he and Elon. I know. Where's Dogecoin at? That's how we tell these days, right? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> um, Chris, what's your state of play? Yeah, I think it's a little bit messy, sort of as Alice has mentioned with, you know, subscribing to a, a number of things, uh, sort of ourselves, and then mooching off of someone else's subscription. I, I couldn't honestly tell you off the top of my, top of my head what I'm subscribed to and what other people are subscribed to that I'm taking advantage <laughs> of um, because within our family, we're, we're pretty heavily within the Apple ecosystem with iPads and iPhones and that sort of thing. So I think we've got one of those ultra-long free trial periods for Apple TV+. Plus. So we've got that. Uh, I've got access to someone's Netflix account. And uh, as I said previously, I've uh, only just signed up for Disney Plus, which we'll mention about the the price change uh, mm-hmm. in a bit, but mainly because of the the price change that's just occurred, and so I can catch up with WandaVision and sort of be part of the zeitgeist uh, as it happens over the uh, the final couple of episodes. So uh, the good thing is you won't uh, won't have to worry about spoilers today because I haven't watched any of it. So, uh, so oh, opportunities for evil. A, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, I no, thought you, you literally no. just said you won't have to worry about It's like, no, oh, wait, you're saying listeners won't have to. Listeners, Alice yes. and I, on the other hand, will have to worry about spoilers. <laughs> yes, yes. No, I'm more saying listeners, you won't have to worry about spoilers from me because uh, my guess is as good as anyone's uh, as what's going on. But, yeah, um, so there's a few, a few different uh, streaming services sort of that we've got access to in the house at least and... Similar to to Alice, uh, Amazon, and I suppose we could say this about any number of large conglomerates and corporations, uh, but Amazon in particular is is a bit of a dicey one. I do try and limit my uh, my Amazon usage because of you, know, you hear a lot of the stories about how warehouse workers are treated and uh, about you know people being obscenely rich for. Perhaps not doing uh, as much as that uh, that amount of money justifies, but it's impossible to have a billion dollars without exploiting yeah. some people along the way. Like you can't honestly earn that much money. It's impossible. Yeah. What's what's the saying that it is goes all around? through the sweat of his brow? What are you talking about? He has done all of the hard work to achieve. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I <laughs> yeah, I, I, sure. I believe that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and but some yeah, yeah, so- choice investments from rich family members. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. So there's there's a few streaming uh, services sort of uh, 
around the mark, but I think for, for my viewing habits, I'm not someone who will browse the apps looking for something to stream. I will only go into uh, you know, look for something specific if I've heard a recommendation or if I know that there's something I definitely want to watch. Like late last year on, on Netflix, there was uh, Auntie Donna's uh, Big Old House of Fun, which loved that to pieces. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Ted uh, Ted Lasso for Apple TV Plus uh, combined my love of you know, really, really nice, lovely sort of drama slash comedy with sports. So that was something I really enjoyed. Whereas Alice, it sounds like you're you're the sort of person who will happily find something to stream. Yeah, look, I watch a lot of TV, not as much as I used to when I wrote for TV Guide when I was watching, I think, about 170 different shows per season. Uh, but I am still watching probably a solid three hours a day at least. Uh, so I like to have variety. And also, obviously, we share all of our subscriptions within the family. So my wife, my parents have access to everything too. But there's just so much good TV at the moment. Like, yeah. it's kind of wonderful. And I have lots of recommendations that I think we'll all get to at the end. But what's annoying me at the moment is how splintered it all is across the streaming services. So you can watch seasons one through 14 of Grey's Anatomy on Stan, and then you have to switch from season 15 to Disney Plus. Mm. Or you can watch the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie on Stan, so on Disney Plus, on Disney and then you now, have to yeah. go to Stan to watch actual Buffy, and then after that you go back to Disney Plus for Angel. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, th- you're right. The, also, it doesn't make sense that there's that many seasons of Grey's. Yes. <laughs> Look, I think where am I at? I'm I think I'm paying for most everything most of the time, but um long-time listeners will know lo- early last year I started a bit of an experiment. It was a bad year to start it. Um <laughs> where I was going to I sort of actively started to uh when I would subscribe to a service, I would then immediately unsubscribe. So it kind of would buy me that month essentially. And then my strategy was to see how much money am I roughly saving if I only resubscribe. Like, I'm not going to try to limit myself in those crossovers. I'm just going to resubscribe at the moment. I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to watch a show on that service. And I just happen to have, it's now kind of ticked over into that window where I'm I'm now unsubscribed. And what I really did find actually was when I tried to go back through sort of some of the, you know, the numbers on it, um, from last year, but probably each, I'd say per quarter, I probably was saving around 40 or 50 bucks just on wow. across the mix of services where it is just that like one week or two weeks here and there. When you sort of think about how those weeks will add up across, you know, five different services and throughout the course of a year that it was just starting to, you know, you can kind of go, oh, well, over the course of maybe, you know, six months, I've now saved two months on one of those services because it's one of the ones I use less regularly, you know, or on another service, it did become a thing where it was like, uh, I'm just always on that. So I'm just not going to bother turning that one off anymore because, um, but yeah, even then you're like, even if it was all it was, was three days, you're like over the course of a year, then that's probably going to be a month um, once you add that up. So it was, I think, worth doing, but I also found that some services actually kind of broke your login setup like Netflix in particular, I found if you unsubscribed and then you resubscribed, 
Uh, it wouldn't just kind of ask you to log in again on like the T- the Apple TV app, for example. I actually would have to reinstall the app for it to let me re-log in. So really oh. weird authentication stuff going on with things like that. Um, and, you know, heaven forbid you wouldn't think it's intentional, but they probably also don't have all that many people who choose to turn it off <laughs> and on again as regularly as I was trying to. So with, with that experiment, um, I'm curious, and obviously, as you say, uh, 2020 was probably a very interesting year to conduct such an experiment. But when when you did that, was there any one service or any particular a uh, handful of services that kept you coming back more than others or were there ones that you found easier to drop than others? Yeah, I definitely felt like Stan was easier to drop for me. I just, it it felt like Stan was mostly one of those services that I would use to watch classic shows I really like. Sort of particularly, you know, like Naughty's era type shows, um, you know, a little bit of that sort of just slightly kind of older window of time where I'm like, oh, yeah, I'd love to watch a bit of that again. I was not really feeling it as much about sort of the newer things. Like early on with Stan when they, they created like the no activity stuff, which was, I thought, really good comedy. Um, I didn't, yeah, I watched all of that sort of stuff, but they weren't sort of creating new shows as rapidly as other things. Whereas like Netflix really has been nailing it with that whole, like there is constantly either a new show or a new movie. There's always this consistent kind of rollout of really worthwhile shows to watch. And like at a volume where I just kind of felt like I'm not really, like I don't mind watching like a few few shows back to back. Um, but I don't binge like I might have done, you know, once upon a time. And there's just so much stuff there that it really was that feeling where, you know, quite often for me and my wife, our consistent thing would be like, we'll watch an episode of something before bed. And it meant that, you know, if they've just dropped a whole show on us, then we can just kind of catch up slowly. Um, yeah, we don't feel like, oh, we've got to get to the end right now. Um, whereas we know plenty of other parents of, you know, kids, you know, through school stuff and things who, yeah, on a weekend they will just go, oh, yeah, we just like watched the whole new show that just came out. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, that is kind of cool. See, what I've been trying to do is work out which services I can cut. Uh, and for a little while I was tossing it between Disney Plus and Stan. But just hearing you say that, I was like, oh, what shows do I watch every week on Stan? I just realized they've got younger Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, the bold type. And I think the show of the year is It's a Sin, which is on stance, the most brilliant and heartbreaking thing I've ever seen, and it has shattered me into a million pieces. So you need to be very emotionally strong. But mm. it's so interesting to see kind of which shows resonate with different people. Yeah. And I also remembered the other service that I've subscribed to, which is Binge, which I did not want to subscribe to, but it's the only way I can see Legends of Tomorrow, Batwoman, and Supergirl, and The Flash, and Superman, and Lois Lane the day after they air. Yeah. And also Great British Bake Off. Yeah. And Great Canadian Bake Off. And look, you make a good point as well with the Stan stuff. Um, that's They are definitely shows I kind of forgot they were on Stan and they're shows I would watch with Sally when she's, you know, she would be the one who's tracking that's, oh, there's a new season of Bold Type. And it's like, okay, cool. You know, I'll just tune in and out a little bit, but I wasn't as into it as, as she was. Um, but they've definitely had a few of those that yeah that i know have been her kind of that that comfort i'm just going to kind of fall half asleep in front of this tv show and just relax (laughs) like it's stan's really good for 
brief new stuff, but I don't feel like it's one of those ones that you have to have all the time, even though I have. But my other recommendation for saving money is if you have a Costco subscription, right. uh, they sell like $100 binge gift cards for 80 bucks, for example. And they sometimes do the same thing with Netflix and Stan and all the others. Cool. So there are stores that will discount those memberships if you just don't want to have to bother with unsubscribing and resubscribing all the time. Yeah, and a similar way of doing that, and uh, I think Seamus and I were talking about this just the other day, was uh, especially if you're on the Google or uh, Apple sort of platform is you know, Google Play vouchers and uh, iTunes vouchers and the sort of thing are regularly 15 to 20% off at supermarkets. And you can usually subscribe to most of these services through the the respective um, stores, whether it be Google Play or the App Store. So there's a, a few ways that you can certainly save, uh, save a few dollars uh, on the subscriptions. Mm. Though you do need to make sure that the subscription isn't too marked up, particularly on uh, iTunes, because quite frequently the Netflix subscription bought through iTunes will be much, much more expensive than if you just signed up through the Netflix website because of the Apple tax. Okay, cool. Good to know. Yeah. Um, look, I've got a kind of philosophical pushback on the whole question, though, of the sort of splintering of these services at the moment. Um, I feel like we're going through like this, I guess tunnel is the wrong word. It's like, it's like, it's the Cambrian explosion of streaming services, right? We need a million different services right now to actually force a lot of these companies to get more of their back catalogs digitized and available into streaming because a huge issue when it was pretty much just, you know, Netflix and right. Well, yeah, for a long time, it was pretty much just Netflix. Um, and then we, you know, we got Stan out here and, you know, and Foxtel reluctantly got into streaming. Um, but there were so many things that like, if you just like, I want to see this movie that I remember. And like, if it was, if it predated the mid nineties, it was like absolute, really, really kind of hard to actually find it available on anything. Sometimes even to buy, like it was really hard to find, you know, I'll just, like I know right now I, I'm still furious that I can't even buy Bring It On on a digital streaming service. Mm. Furious. Um, and I lost my my DVD of the original Bring It On and so all I have is the six sequels, is, yes. which get progressively worse. Yeah. Um, so I really kind of see that what what's happening with everybody, you know, and particularly in the US, you get kind of you got Universal and you've got NBC and you got all these different kind of networks launching their own streaming services to try to sort of get their subscription going. At some point, some of them are going to give up and kind of say, you know what, it's just going to be better to license this to one of the other major services um, because it is going to be, you know, plenty of people are just going to go, your back catalog is not enough for me to want to pay you and everybody else. But we kind of need them to feel convinced, at least, you know, some boardroom executive to go, no, damn it. If we get everything that we've ever made digitized and available, people are going to love it. And we, so let's get to work on bringing those archives into the digital era. That's actually good for kind of availability of, you know, a film, of television, um, of kind of the history of all this stuff rather than it just sitting on, you know, tapes in libraries um, and actually sort of bring being brought forward. And it might be, that, you know, 10 years from now, we kind of st- see that reconsolidation sort of start to happen. Um, 
and you know some winners and losers kind of happening along the way but then all those other people will have a better library than ever to actually license out to you know to the netflixes and all those kinds of people um and i think i mean even in some ways we're sort of seeing i think you know disney's own launch is one of those launches where it's like well they really had the catalog like so so few oh, other people have they? a catalog well at launch, most of what was on Disney Plus kind of sucked unless you had very small children. Like, they really did not make the most of their back catalogue and they did not go that far into the vault. Yeah. Look, it's a good point. Uh, I guess what I'm thinking of is it's it's like the it's the unmissable collection that absolutely, as you say, meant for anybody who has small children, it's like, well, we just want to be able to turn on any of those Disney movies at any moment's notice. Um, but, you know, with the kind of the, you know, the addition of Star and different things like that, that, you know, it's definitely fleshing out. But it's the kind of area where it's like, well, a lot of this stuff was just not, you know, they'd licensed a lot of things, but there was plenty of it that wasn't available elsewhere. And I just feel like, you know, they're someone who's going to be committed, you know, to sticking around because as the numbers show, plenty of people have been happy to give them money and they've done now a great job of kind of reeling us in, and now, you know, doing a genuine price jump, jump rather than, you know, Netflix where it goes, just one more dollar. You're not going to worry too much about one more dollar, are you? And then, you know, and then they'll do that again a couple of years later. Um, Disney's just gone, you love it. We know you love it. Um, give us 25% more money. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's what's got me considering jumping out of Disney Plus, that 25% more money. Also, just... One thing that kind of hits me with a slightly sour note is that uh, the show Love, Victor, which is a spinoff of the movie Love, Simon, it's this adorable, innocent teen drama. It's probably PG, and it was originally made for Disney+, Plus. but the Disney Plus executive saw it and said, bit gay for us, and then banished it to Hulu. And now it's come with Star, but you had to get R18 content on Disney Plus before they'd let you see this really tame, sweet, gay coming-of-age yeah, series. Right. And that's rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, that's pretty That's pretty crap. I mean, what is? can anyone explain to me what Star is? I don't quite understand what sort of, you know, Star coming on, why that means that we get all these extra things added to Disney Plus. I have never heard of Star before in my life. Oh, there we go. I just searched, what is Star? And like a thing came up where it's like, yeah, what is Star Disney Plus? Um, My my understanding of Star is that it's a lot of sort of Fox Studios productions that are are coming to Disney Plus and is pretty well the Australian answer to Hulu in the US. So we're getting... Uh, or we, we now have pretty well, maybe not all, but most of the seasons of shows like Bob's Burgers and that sort of stuff, which that's probably one thing I'm really keen to sink my teeth into on Disney Plus now that it's there with this star channel uh, is that, um, yeah, shows like Bob's Burgers and shows that were previously either fragmented across different services or I think when I checked Bob's Burgers, uh, there was only one season of it available on not even Binge. I think it was Foxtel Now, which, gee, that's another confusing thing, mm. there's, that there's content separation between Binge and Foxtel Now, um, uh, whereas, yeah, now we can watch nearly the whole thing 
on on the one service. Uh, yeah, and there's, there's a bunch of sort of more sort of adult-oriented content. But, yeah, like Alice rightly pointed out, um, yeah, sort of LGBT plus content and whatever, sort of withholding that from the original Disney Plus offering and offering it as part of Star, oh, because obviously gay stories are, you know, more adult-oriented. Are adult, is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that is gross. It reminds me of the uh, challenge that Debs had in two thousand four, which was Angela Robinson, who made the sh- made the movie, set out to deliberately make the first ever PG lesbian movie. Mm. And when they submitted it to be classified, I think it was given an R rating. And they went back and they said, "Nope, we yeah. have sworn once. We have." This correct number of kisses. There is nothing different to this uh, compared to these things. You will give it a PG. It was the best one to get a PG. Yeah, mm-hmm. and right. it just—it's the same vibe. Yeah, but fifteen, mm. no, seventeen years later. So I found the description for what Star is. Um, this is, I think, a good description. Sitting over on uh, Lifehacker Australia, Star is a brand new. Uh, channel being launched internationally that brings together Disney's content from Disney Television, FX, 20th Century Studios and Television, previously Fox, Touchstone, ESPN and more, depending on the region. Um, so, and it is that sort of, as yeah, you mentioned earlier, it's like the Australia is the kind of answer to a lot of the Hulu issues where, yeah, stuff that has been unavailable to us because of the likes of Hulu um, is now being available through this star service. But it's kind of weird that it's, well, I guess, right, this is probably where they're keeping their, um, you know, family-friendly crap sort of happy by going, look, it's over under this button where all these things that we don't want to ever have to answer questions about of any kind, even if they are perfectly, you know, they should be perfectly reasonable, normal things to be sharing with people. Um, it's like it's it's hidden over there on that button over there. So it's like Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, National Geographic, Star, all those and things. to enable it. Like so, we set it up last night so we could watch the American version of the UK show Mistresses, which is terrible. But stars <laughs> Jess McAllen, so I will watch the whole way through. <laughs> uh, you have to. Basically, putting your password again to say yes, I will enable R eighteen plus content mm. on this profile, and I will put a pin on it, and I'll say which profiles can have access to Star, and then the ones that don't have access to it, it just isn't there. Which yeah, right? Like in the same way, that's just kind of so weird because you're like, well, you know, on on Netflix, you know, everybody in the family in our household has a profile, and you know, they are a kind of age-gated. Well, not even age-gated. Like, we've just kind of, we've been able within them to just say, this is just based on the ratings. You know, we can set up those kinds of things where you go, yeah, just they can't hit play on these things on their account, you know. And at the same time, I think as they get older and particularly into their sort of teen years, it's like, you know, we start to be like, just... Don't watch kind of something you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't be watching without asking. And, you know, it's like parents got a parent, right? Um, rather than just assuming everything's going to be gated automatically for them so that their children might never touch something that, you know. And then, of course, then they've got a computer in the kid's bedroom um, where they can do whatever they like. Anyway, I'm really uh, getting sidetracked. The Ten things I hate about you TV series. That is something that should be kept well away from people. 
<laughs> no one deserves that. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even if was... the star who played Cat went on to play Paige in Pretty Little Lies, which is, I guess, worth watching it for. But even still, so I have a lot of feelings. Yeah. All right. I was, I was oh, about yeah. to ask whether it was a case of, oh, oh okay, is that pretty risque and raunchy? But uh, I take it it's a, it's a question of quality. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it's just bad. You do not need a TV series based on the movie 10 Things I Hate About You. 10 Things I Hate About You was perfect. That's Two fair. seasons of it is too much. Yeah. But yeah so fair. I'm going to jump in in front of uh, Seamus, who's probably going to ask us to move on. But I'm going to say, what is your pick of content from each of the streaming services you have? What is your recommendation? Oh, my God, this is really hard. Chris, you don't have as many, so you can go first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I suppose for I'll start off with Ted Lasso for Apple TV+, Plus, which I think that's probably Seamus's as well because we've both shared in how much we really, really loved how how good that was. Just a, a really sweet message, uh, really, really good show that it, it is crass, um, but it it does so in a way that's very, very well done in how it depicts a sports team and the sports community, how a, a group of people galvanise around uh, a shared interest and community uh, around sport. Um, for Netflix, I mean, as we've said, there's so many great original stuff there, but, um, you know, the Auntie Donna special comes to mind, uh, but I also did watch a fair bit of BoJack Horseman a while ago. I think I am... No, I'm not up to date. I've got a bit to catch up, but I uh, really did like Bojack Horseman. Stan, I think uh, Stan was how I had my first exposure to Twin Peaks. I don't know if Twin Peaks is still on there, but, uh, yeah, really, really enjoyed uh, having my mind absolutely messed with uh, by David Lynch there. Um, I think those are the, the main ones. Oh, and Amazon Prime. There is actually one for Amazon Prime. Uh, I really enjoyed the test, uh, the documentary series that looked at the Australian national cricket team, which that was really, really fascinating and a really great insight as to how an elite sports team operates, which you see a lot of that overseas, especially in America. There's a lot of great media access and documentaries and series about American sporting teams, but that level of insight and sort of raw, unfiltered uh, portrayal of an Australian sports team was very, very new. So that's where I'm also looking forward to the AFL series that's airing in a couple of weeks' time on Amazon Prime, uh, making their mark, I think. So, yeah, those those are the collection of sort of series and shows that have stood out to me, uh, you know, recently on a few different services. I'm, I would probably, I'm really struggling with Netflix because there is so much good stuff. I think, I mean, I thought it was awesome when they sort of picked up the Black Mirror Ball and ran with it, <laughs> the Black Mirror Ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just, yeah, it was kind of great. And look, I'm a massive Charlie Brooker fan and I just kind of loved, you know, that it, it kind of gave, you know, a bit more space and budget in some respects to kind of play with some interesting ideas um, in that in that sort of whole, you know, modern Twilight Zone sort of con conceptual space. Um, loved Sex Education, uh, loved, um, I guess it's on Netflix here in Australia, but it's not really a Netflix series. But The Last Dance last year was amazing, the yes. Michael Jordan documentary. Um, so, yeah, there's heaps of stuff on there that definitely just kind of always fine. I've got you know plenty of room for. The Good Place was, 
you know, an incredible show. Um, yeah. And it, but again, it's like for us in Australia, right? Some of these things are just they're licensed off other networks that showed them originally mm. in the states. Um, and yeah, Queen's Gambit was certainly, I think, the original of last year that um, I thought was you know just completely wonderful. Um, Stan, I would totally recommend people go and watch No Activity if they never ever watched it. Now that it's a little bit old. But I think it just did such a great job of kind of, you know, giving this like, you know, semi-scripted, you know, space for like improv, like great Aussie improv kind of comedic moments to, you know, be done. Essentially, every scene is like a duologue basically with, you know, and it's sort of building through, you know, a a storyline in each episode and then in each season arc, um, you know, police First season was very much just you know two two cops basically on um, stakeout you know and nothing's really happening and they're just chatting in their car, um, but then sort of you know things progress from there. Um, but you know they even you know in the second series like Rose Byrne is um, you know one of the people you know involved in the show and she's like you know uh, being held hostage with her husband and they hate each other and they're just like you know yelling at each other and and it's just this kind of delightful again just every moment is two people just either going at it or like you know two criminals who are sitting there like babysitting you know the the spoils of some robbery and just scene after scene is just really great i think totally worth going back to check out um and look that's its own hallmark of some of these things as well right that sometimes we do get so focused on like, what's the new thing that everybody's talking about versus what was a really great thing made two years ago that if you haven't been on this service, you should still 100% go and find and watch because it's amazing and it doesn't matter if you're slightly behind when everyone else chose to talk about it. It's still really, really cool. Um, I, I got Shutter for a while um, and there's no specific things I think worth calling out there so much as just if you are really into horror, it's a great service um, because they're both, you know, making, I guess they're a good example of that stuff of making things available that, that no other service really sort of necessarily wanted to invest in having amongst their pool of licensed stuff um, because they didn't necessarily want to go into those, you know, deep, dark horror places. So someone went, great, we can build that service. And along the way has actually funded some originals, including like short film originals and things like that. So um, that's a really cool thing to check out if you are into horror instead of just trying to find the scraps of horror that are lurking in other um, services here and there. Um, there's heaps of other stuff. I know I, I'm sure I could write a giant list one day, but I'm, you know, uh, I'm running out of steam. So what's your stuff, Alice? Okay, so on Stan, it has to be It's a Sin. It's written by Russell T. Davies, who did Doctor Who and Queer as Folk. And if you don't know about uh, the AIDS crisis in the 80s, or if you remember or if you lost someone, this is just such a brilliant way to educate, but also give a feeling of what that was like. Because it's just so harrowing and awful and we're still feeling the effects like if you've ever wondered where are all the old middle-aged gold uh, middle-aged gay men that's where they are um and that's on stan it's five parts over on amazon prime there's the wilds which is a new show that was just filmed in new zealand about these girls who get who are in a plane crash and they get trapped on an island and what happens 
and I can't say any more than that without spoiling it, but it's this really interesting character dynamics. There's Melanie Griffiths. It's got everything. Yeah. Uh, over on Netflix, it's not a Netflix original. Uh, it is licensed from sci-fi in the US, but Winona Earp. I will be going on about how good Winona Earp is until the end of time. It is a sci-fi western with zombies set in Canada, and it is amazing. You have to look past the low budget. You have to get through a few episodes. But once you do, you will fall in love with Waverly Earp and become obsessed. It's amazing. <laughs> and as for originals, obviously The Crown. Then over on Disney Plus, Runaways is based on a Marvel comic book. And I think it's one of the few comic book things I've seen that have really gotten the spirit of the source material, but then also improved upon it enough without disrespecting it. It's amazing. On Binge, Legends of Tomorrow is another show that I will tell you to watch until I'm blue in the face. It is a show that started out trying to be a serious time travel show and then somewhere along the way realized that no one was watching and no one wanted it to be serious. And I think probably the best example episode is the time they need to go back in time to save Jane Austen from a werewolf by putting on a Bollywood musical. <laughs> that is the vibe. It is spectacular. That and is And then great. finally, Dickinson on Apple TV, uh, a modern teen drama about Emily Dickinson. Very good. Yeah. Um, look, I'll throw in actually, yeah, I think um, I was just scrolling through stuff and sort of uh, something leapt back to mind and I totally remembered a thing <laughs> and then I lost it. Um, oh, Marvelous sorry. Mrs. Maisel was actually amazing on yes. Amazon Prime. Um, really great, you know, show about sort of that golden age of uh, stand-up comedy in a lot of respects and then, you know, a woman sort of, you know, carving her sp- way into it. Um Really, really cool show. Um, I think it was something to do with. Oh, yeah, that's that's what I was going to talk about. Um, I think we haven't mentioned, and but I think it's you know a remiss to overlook just how much good stuff is lurking on the free services, and that includes the commercial TV stuff. You know, yep, they're they're injecting ads, but between you know SBS on demand, ABC iView, Nine Now, Ten Play. Um, what's the other one? A seven plus, I think it is. You know, particularly the commercial ones, you know, they pretty much force you to make an account and, you know, get logged in. And it's, you know, their ad tracking sort of end of things, I guess. But there are actually, when I'm talking about that whole issue of, you know, lots of TV series aren't available, there's a whole bunch of stuff that is actually mm. sitting around on those that aren't on anything else. The classic for me was Quantum Leap, discovering that all of Quantum Leap was on nine now and i was just like oh my god <laughs> like why aren't they advertising the fact that they have all of quantum League? they had all of xena on nine now for a while which was amazing and yeah. it totally holds up and you should watch it but it does not hold up but in the best way <laughs> yeah. but that's I'm, it I'm like a bit, i'm a bit late to the party but that's uh, that's where um knowing you know what's on a particular service at any given time. Uh, a friend referred me to uh, the app or the website Just Watch, mm. uh, and found that to be so so helpful. Yes, you just search search the name of a TV show or a movie, and it'll you know geographically you know figure out you know what's available in your area. You know, for us obviously Australia, and say, oh yes, this is showing on either 
10 play or this is on Stan or this is on such and rather. And it'll more often than not be pretty accurate as far as what seasons are available. Because obviously we mentioned earlier that uh, with how fragmented the streaming sort of, uh, I suppose, state of streaming is, yeah. is that, you know, sometimes there'll be, okay, yep, the first two seasons of this are on Stan. Oh, but the other, the other seasons on something else, which is a real pain in the ass, but oh well. It is what it is. But I think also as well as the the free-to-air streaming services, which uh, you rightly mentioned as being very, very good in a lot of cases, Seamus, um, there's also in Australia growing competition in the sports streaming uh, area because there's there's KO, which again brings up similar issues to what we were saying about, you know, wanting to support the likes of Amazon because obviously KO is a news corp. sort of own thing and you know it's obviously up to the individual as to you know whether you want to be a part of that or not i cleanse my hands because i just mooch off my brother's account so i i uh i like to say there's there's no blood on my hands but stick it to the um, man yeah yeah um, through a perfectly legitimate sharing of yeah multiple exactly, screens, exactly. Uh, that have been paid for so <laughs> yes but as far as a streaming service goes um I think the basic plan for KO is is twenty five dollars, which when you when you put it in comparison to something that streams solely TV shows and movies, you think, well, that's pretty expensive. But when you consider the state of being able to access uh, pay TV sports in Australia, that's comparatively pretty bloody good value. And there's a lot of stuff on there. But uh, obviously, in the new year. Stan has got Stan Sport now as a $10 yeah. add-on with a lot of rugby on it. And the interesting thing, which we very briefly touched on with Disney Plus with Star, is that Star is showing a bunch of the ESPN uh, 30 for 30 documentaries, which are so like good. award-winning, so very good. good documentaries on either individual athletes or particular eras of sports teams or you know some very... There's one about uh, someone who uh, bid on the original laws of basketball to bring them home to the state that they were first drafted in. Uh, I haven't watched it, but the concept sounds utterly fascinating. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's interesting because I think that means there's a bit of crossover between Disney Plus and KO now because KO, as well as having a bunch of the Fox Sports channels, also has ESPN uh, Australia and New Zealand, which includes uh, a lot of the 30 for 30 uh, documentaries. So, yeah, there's there's no shortage of streaming services, uh, whatever your specialty may be. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's a, a lot of lot of money at stake there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you know yours? So you, you have access to KO. What's the difference? Because yeah. I see then, you know, again, it's like you got your sports for $25, but then there's also KO premium for $35. What's like missing from the normal one? I think the main difference, and I would have to go and double check this, but I think the main difference is device access uh, in terms of okay. because I think I think the base access does let you have two devices streaming simultaneously, but then the premium might be four. Yeah. Which, considering how sports mad our family is, it's worth every cent uh, to have the 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 premium model. Uh, because there's bound to be someone in our family watching a sport at any given time. So, uh, yeah, it's. I think it's mainly a, a multiple device support side of yeah. thing. I think or- it's also important to note that, uh, it, at least going by ratings numbers, sport is the most popular content on 
TV, on streaming, mm. on anything. Like, if you look at ratings numbers in the US for, say, a normal Wednesday night game of football versus the best rating drama, it'll be three or four times the numbers. So sports streaming is really going to be the next battle for streaming services. And I think whoever wins that is going to win the most subscribers, way more than whoever has Star Wars. Yeah, and especially considering how much advertising is in sport as well and how much – because obviously with – with Foxtel and KO, they say, are oh, live and ad-free. That's like during the contest, but generally either side of the contest and on the uniforms and all the signage and that sort of stuff. There's advertising everywhere, obviously in a much more blatant way than uh, product placement in, in a movie or TV show. Yeah. Not that product placement can't be on the nose in TV shows and, <laughs> and movies, but it's certainly not to the same extent that it is with, say, sport or other live performances. Yeah. All right. Is there anything else we need to touch on on all things streaming? I don't believe so, no. no yeah. I think we hit everything, really. Yeah. Look, yeah, I know I have one further thought, but I feel like I'm, I'm trying to flesh it out for, for a column sometime. So I'll, I'll sit on it for now. Maybe we'll, you know, next time we're actually talking about this, which will probably be in, you know, six months' time when, you know, yet another service launches and we're like, okay, that was the line. That was the moment that we have to stop. <laughs> but all I, the, my, my last thing is that the whole point of streaming originally was to try and discourage piracy by just letting people pay for one subscription and access all of it. And we saw piracy go, diminish greatly. Yeah. Gen Z barely knows how to pirate anymore. But as kids these days, they don't even know how to pirate. They don't. They just don't put in the effort. But uh, but now we hit skinny jeans. Don't like side parts. (laughs) Don't like piracy. That's a BuzzFeed conspiracy. That's a whole thing for (laughs) Um But the the more streaming services we get, the more people are going to pirate things, and it's the they're turning to that Ouroboros. They're eating their own tail. Yeah, like it's it's bad, but good for them for teaching the kids a new skill. Yeah. Oh, look, that is one thing that I was going to hear that I've been thinking about was the idea that um, I think one thing that Disney is doing a good job of is through the embrace of doing kind of weekly episodes. And like I said, I don't think this should be a whole separate argument, but I I like the idea that they're sort of bringing back that sense of, you know, the, the cliffhanger, the moments that become almost like the water cooler moments that actually aren't really there when it's just like drop a whole series and then you're trying to work out with other people, where are you up to, um, you know, and what what do or don't I say about a show yet? Um, I think they've managed to sort of put that sort of weekly thing into, you know, motion, particularly, you know, Division's a big thing, but Mandalorian did it sort of a bit as well creating that thing where you want to quickly chat to other people because you know that other people who are following it at the pace it's being released have a shared moment to talk about during that kind of you know week mm. that you're thinking about it. Um, there is really an the art. There is an art to making episodic TV. And there is also an art to making uh, bingeable. Uh, procedural, Binge- no, procedural or, shows. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. every episode is just standalone things. Yes. Not everything has to be an 80 hour movie. Yes. Like that we've already got Zack Snyder's Justice League cut. Sometimes you just want 40 minutes that is self contained and that's it. And then next week you watch 40 minutes with the same characters doing something else. Yeah. Like I don't. We're Actually, losing the art of television. But Alice, we live in a society. Oh, God. 
Oh, God. Look, um, that was something I thought Mandalorian did quite well at times as well when people would be like, oh, the story didn't move forward this week. And it's like, but that's okay. We got a really nice self-contained, you know, space Western moment where the guy and the child had another encounter that, you know, delayed them on their quest, but it was like story of the week. That's kind of, as you say, it's like procedural sci-fi. <laughs> like there's yeah, nothing there wrong with that. There is a reason why Dick Wolf is as insanely rich and successful as he is. <laughs> it's because he knows how to have 5,000 years worth of law and order and keep it fresh and contained because yeah. you don't have to watch 22 episodes a year. You can watch eight and you'll, they don't kick me in any order and you still get the same general gist. Yeah, absolutely. And that's fine. Look, I think, yeah, good roundup. I'd love to hear from people if they have their thoughts on the streamings and their favourites uh, and the things they think should be avoided and all that jazz. Hit us up, email us, ask at bitesidecom or just hit us on, on the Twitters at, at Byteside. Um, let's do some little kind of wrap-up. Um, yeah, thumbnails from our week, good, bad, indifferent. Um, Chris, you know, you're back after a little break. You must have some pearlers in your brain. Um, you know, what do you want to share with people this week? Yeah, I, I generally try to keep things pretty positive, but I've got a, got a bit of a, uh, a bone to pick with LastPass, the very popular password management software. I know the very exciting world of cybersecurity. Well, for, for some it's exciting, but perhaps not as much for others. But um, LastPass I've been using for years as a great free solution for storing a bunch of passwords and also generating really secure passwords, you know, with lots of different characters and asterisks and all that sort of stuff. Um, and the great thing about it is I've been able to transfer all of this uh, between my desktop or laptop and my phone really freely. But uh, LastPass announced in the last week or so that they're seriously nerfing their free user tier. So what's happening there is that you'll have to decide after, I believe it's the 17th or the 16th of March, that you'll have to decide whether you... On, on a free plan, uh, want to be either a desktop user or a mobile user. So across either of those device types, desktop also including laptops, uh, whereas mobiles uh, also include like smartphones, tablets, and smartwatches even, um, you will only be able to access your passwords for free on one family platform. of devices. Yeah. So if I choose computer, then I'll only be able to access my passwords on desktop and laptop, or I can choose to access them on mobile devices, mobile, smartphone, tablets for free. If I want to be able to access across all device families, uh, then I'll have to upgrade to the premium account, which I think in Australia is about $4.50 a month. Uh, but that's $4.50 I haven't been paying for years. Uh, so that's a real real kick in the teeth there. Uh, so a lot of people have been saying, how about you check out this uh, open source password management software called Bitwarden because they're remaining free and you can also freely uh, transfer or access passwords between uh, mobile, desktop, your smartwatch, your smart whatever, smart fridge, if you've somehow got that set up, uh, then you can do that with Bitwarden all for free and it will rem remain so. One thing I will clarify with LastPass is that so you can still 
save um, passwords and you won't, they won't get deleted or whatever. It's just that if you go to access them on another, another device type that you haven't sort of authenticated as your free uh, access, yeah. then it will just say, oh, you need to log into premium to access this, which it is is what it is. So yeah. I'll be very keen to check out Bitwarden. <laughs> and look, I get the nuisance of it, but I also totally appreciate that, you know, at some point a, a company needs to fund itself to maintain viability. Mm. And I'm like, you know, four or five bucks isn't too terrible. I like, I feel like they probably needed to give people more notice to kind of make mm. it better. And of course we all have theories on how companies should run themselves and, and be perfect. Um, but you know, in my brain, I'm like, maybe they should have just said two devices is like the free limit. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, I've got my one mobile and my one computer that I'm synchronized between. Yeah. But then there's plenty of people who are like, actually, you know, there's that third computer and then, and then there's the tablet. And, and it's like, if you're at that point, it's like, you kind of probably can almost start to recognize that it's like, yeah, this is, I'm, I'm really relying on this and I should at some point, you know, respect the fact that, that there's a serious product underpinning my ability to do all this stuff, but only PC and only desktop or only mobile is such a clear, nobody only lives in one of these worlds anymore. So cough up. Yeah. 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 Uh, also another alternative, which is just iCloud keychain. If you're already in the Apple ecosystem, because it's just stupid easy. And if you're on a device that you're not signed into, as long as you have your phone with you, you can just see your passwords. I'm too lazy to use anything else. It's a good system. I'm like, yeah, but if you use strong passwords, typing them out is really hard. <laughs> it is such a bastard. Like, why do you have to have so many, like, I don't know, special characters? I Hyphens. <laughs> no one needs that many hyphens. Bugger off. It's hard. Yeah. Look, I'll let but, you close yeah. us out in a minute. Alice, I'll just throw in my – because I realized last week I went last and then tried to do the sign-off. It's much easier to come in after somebody mm. else goes last. Um, so my thing, just wanted to give the hat tip to Daft Punk. They have just been, you know, a huge part of my life as an adult, I guess. Like they came around when I was in uni and it was kind of that window of time where, you know, you're trying to find yourself as – a person who was, you know, a nerd growing up in that kind of, you know, um, proto-nerd era of the, you know, 80s and early 90s um, where it's like all these cool things are almost about to be really awesomely cool but we're not quite there yet. And they were absolutely one of those things that came along and just went, liking robots is cool and we're going to make it look really, really cool and we're going to make this kind of slightly weird music, really cool. And just I think they kind of polished and refined so much of, you know, that kind of genre of music in so many ways. And, you know, working with amazing music video directors, you know, I guess, right, like they kind of, I know for their you know first album, they basically ticked off a list of these like, you know, absolutely huge directors of that era, Michelle Gondry, Spike Jones, Chris Columbus, all these kinds of really cool people who, you know, got great names in music video creation. Um, and yeah, I just felt like that was so kind of genre defining and just for me personally helped to kind of go, yes, you know, the, the geeks are slowly taking over the world. So you can, you can relax and enjoy the ride from here. Um, so I don't think it's kind of, I don't see it as like a sad thing. I'd see it as just, it's like, well, yeah, like 
They nailed it. It has been almost 30 years. Uh, you know, they can just go and relax and chill out on the piles of money that I hope they made over the years um, doing what they did so well. So, you know, congrats to Daft Punk, not, uh, you know, sad times. And I think their sound will endure for a long time because you listen to something from Discovery and go to random access memories, it's it's just as good as one another and they keep getting sampled by artists now. And I've I've had contact from random access memories as my ringtone since uni in 2013. So <laughs> uh, random access memories has, is is a very special album for me because yeah, that's uh, yeah that was a really big part of sort of me gaining my independence. First time out of home, first year of uni, uh, a lot of firsts. So yeah, Daft Punk. Is certainly has a, a very special place in in my heart, even you know from a sort of different era slash generation to what other people may have grown up with. Yeah, I kind of put them in my brain in a very similar bucket to you know I also completely love Radiohead and almost feel like they're on kind of not opposite ends of a spectrum, but rather you know like um, Daft Punk kind of went let's play with electronic music, but also we love playing guitars and like so we will have you know it's not like sampled guitars it's yeah well like robot rock is kind of like it's got grindy kind of rock guitar action in it while being utterly synthesizer driven as well and i think radiohead on the other end is like we're a band that then started playing with sample like we will sample ourselves while playing live and feed that back into the song we're playing while we're playing it's you know like they added the synth to being a normal band, whereas I feel like they added band elements to you know, being kind of synthesizer-driven. So um, I just love when people go, you know, we don't have to sit in one box or the other, but then obviously the presentation layer of, of what Daft Punk did just helped to kind of clar- you know, very clearly plant a flag on going, you know, we can play with what it means to be, you know, human and technological and, you know, write songs that are actually about that idea of, you know, what does it even mean to be human anymore with all this tech stuff? So love it, love it, and I'll keep playing it for a long time to come. Uh, Alice, what's your wrap-up? So my win for the week is that MQFF, uh, which is going to be, sorry, Melbourne Queer Film Festival, is going to be partially online this year as well as in cinemas because of, you know, the apocalypse. But that it's, I think it's really cool that it's going to be streaming because it allows so many more people to participate, whether they live in a rural area or if they're not out enough to feel comfortable going to an extremely queer event. And yesterday they released their uh, schedule and all the movies they gave me, and there's so many that I'm excited about. Like there's the new Gemma Atherton movie. There's lots of Australian short films, including The Test. And I think it's just going to be... So exciting. So for anybody who's ever said there are not enough gay or lesbian movies, this is the fortnight for you uh, <laughs> starting on the 11th of March. And, I mean, that's what definitely one of the real – look, it's so hard to even try to claim that word positives of the pandemic because it's been horrific in so many ways. But, yes. you know, I guess pushing some people who've always thought, oh, it's too hard or here are all these risks with doing something online and, you know, we need to control everything within the, you know, the theatres and all that kind of thing, just getting these people to go, it's okay to let go a little bit and look at all the access you create in the process of letting that go. And I think it's a great point about, people being able to, you know, tune into something before they're necessarily comfortable wanting to go and check that out 
in a large crowd of other people. So that's really mm. awesome. And mm. so just it gives such a great stage to independent movies that would not yeah. get to be seen otherwise. Like the, obviously, Summerland is going to, which is the Gem Atherton movie, is going to go wide. But Dating Amber, Kiss Me Before It Blows Up, The World to Come, The Greenhouse, which I think is a Dutch sci-fi queer movie. I'm probably wrong on all of those. But also Love Spells and all that. Rebel Dykes, you're not going to see these on your Netflixes or anything like that for a while. So this is your fortnight to come out in so many more ways than one (laughs) and see what the world has to offer you. Yeah, that's really good news. Let's wrap it up for this week. Chris, where can people find you if they want to hunt you down online and tell you about how they too love all things sports on the televisions? Indeed. Uh, Twitter's best for me. That's where I spend too much of my time. Uh, at Bibby Boy, B-I-B-B-Y-B-H-O-Y. And, yeah, that's where I'll be sharing most of my bite-side stuff, talking about the occasional sport and just generally being a doofus. All right. <laughs> Alice, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at AliceDKC. And please, for the love of God, come and talk to me about Legends of Tomorrow. I am here for that all day. And why not app? <laughs> Just come say hi and talk about TV. Yeah. People rarely complain about spoilers for those shows on the internet as much as other things. <laughs> they should complain about it more, though, because the big twist in season two of Why Not app. Ah, spectacular. <laughs> That's awesome. And look, you can find me uh, at Seamus on Twitter is the main place that I hang out all the time. Um, if if you send me a message and I don't reply to it, it's because you were probably rude to me and I pretended I didn't see it or, you know, something else. I don't know. Um, but also, if you want to sort of talk to us about stuff, you can also now register for the Biteside website for free and leave comments now. So that's kind of a thing we've opened up because we have our paid membership system, which we love dearly the people who are supporting us through that mechanism um but friends yeah thank you so much and then we've yeah created comments on the site because we feel like it's nice to have a little bit of community space obviously there's not much yet because guess what we make people sign up we don't just have free-for-alls in comments because nobody needs that shit anymore um but if you want to be one of the nice people who actually signs up and hangs out with us then you're very welcome to do so so check that out if that's your bag but of course yeah ask at biteside.com all the stories at biteside.com itself and at the bite side on Instagram, if I can get back around to posting things more regularly, let's be honest, it's it's hard work when there's manual image creation to be done. But we're getting there one step at a time. We do now all the stories always post to at bite side on Twitter. <laughs> so at least that's something. Alice, Chris, thank you so much for hanging out again. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And we'll catch you all again very soon. <laughs>